This morning's scripture will be read from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 29. Again, that's Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 29. It reads, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia had an anuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge all over of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Good morning again. We're so grateful for your presence today. We're always thankful to have the opportunity to be together. We appreciate so much the opportunity to be together as God's people. We trust that you have benefited from our worship thus far. We would encourage you to come back tonight. We will meet again at 6 p.m. We'd love to have you back. We're always grateful for the presence of our visitors. We want you to know that we do feel honored that you've chosen to come our way. If you're looking for a church home, we want you to consider the work here. We'd love to have you come and join hands with us. It might be that you've got questions about the church, about what we're doing, and we'd love to invite you to maybe meet with the elders and ask them questions and talk about how you could become a part of this congregation and find your place of work. I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 8 in our study today. Acts chapter 8, we're going to be looking at verses 26 through 39. There's something thrilling about having the opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus. Many of us have had the privilege of introducing people to the Lord Jesus. If you've ever had the opportunity to sit down and teach someone, about Jesus and to see the reaction that they have to the truth of God and the hope that lies in Christ, then I think you would agree with me it is a thrilling, thrilling privilege. In Acts chapter 8, we have a record. Luke records for us a great story about a man from Ethiopia that had the opportunity to be introduced to Jesus. I want us to look at this account given by Luke, the inspired historian, as he chronicles for us an introduction to Jesus by Philip, the evangelist, to a man from Ethiopia. I want to begin today by, first of all, noting the investigation of the eunuch. In verse 26, the Bible tells us, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. When he says, This is desert, what he means is, this is a deserted place. It's not a heavily populated region. Not waterless, but just a place where not a lot of folks were. And so he arose and went. Philip 
as you recall, had been among those who had been scattered, dispersed from Jerusalem. A great persecution had swept the early church. And the Bible says that the disciples were scattered abroad and they went everywhere preaching the word. Philip, however, went down to the city of Samaria. And while in Samaria, the Bible says he preached Christ to those people. So you think about this great public meeting that he had with the Samaritans. And now he is going to have the opportunity to engage in a private study, one-on-one as we would say. And he's going to meet with this fellow and introduce him to Jesus, the Son of God. Now Luke records for us, first of all, the rank of this eunuch. The Bible says that, behold, a man of Ethiopia. Now this is not modern day Ethiopia as we know it, but rather it is from the ancient kingdom of Cush, which lay south of Egypt. It was called in this day and time the southern edge of the earth. So here's a fellow that is from Ethiopia, and Luke said he is a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury. Now, the queen of Ethiopia is titled here as Candace. That's not a proper name, but rather it is a title or a designation of an office. And so, in this context, according to Luke, this man has received a certain amount of authority. He is the treasure. So, obviously, he is somebody that could be heavily trusted. And the queen has placed her trust in him. So we think about the rank of this eunuch, but note, if you would, the religion of the eunuch. The Bible says he had come to Jerusalem to worship. This man was a proselyte to the Jewish religion. He had gone to Jerusalem for the express purpose of worshiping God. And then Luke tells us that he was reading. So we think about the reading of the eunuch. The Bible says, As he was returning, he was sitting in his chariot. Some have said that in ancient times, a chariot would be drawn by four horses. It would be a coach, so to speak. It would have a driver and then enough room for one or two people. So the eunuch is in his chariot, He's headed back home, and the text says he is reading Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah, of course, was one of the great prophets of God. He has been called the statesman prophet. He penned his book about seven and a half centuries before Jesus came to earth. The book of Isaiah is heavily messianic. And in this context, this man was reading Isaiah chapter 53. And Isaiah chapter 53 focuses on the suffering servant, the Messiah, who is to come. And so he is, as we would say, studying the Scriptures. He's reading. And not only is he studying, but he is searching the Scriptures. 
And as he is studying and searching the scriptures, he's pondering in his mind about the one the prophet has written about. As a matter of fact, he will ask Philip the question, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other? From Isaiah chapter 53, and we'll note that in just a moment. So he has a lot of questions. As a matter of fact, many of us, when we read Scripture, is it not the case that sometimes we will ponder certain passages of Scripture and we will turn over and over and over again certain passages and delve into the Scriptures and try to find the exact meaning? Peter talks about the writings of Paul, about how some of the things that he had written are hard to understand. The psalmist of old talks about how he meditated on the law of the Lord day and night. So here's a guy, he's headed back home, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. He's intrigued by what he is reading. He's investigating the great prophet of God. But now I want you to note with me, if you would, the explanation to the eunuch. God instructs Philip to go and overtake this chariot. And the Bible says that Philip ran to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, verse 30, and asked this question, do you understand what you're reading? As I said a moment ago, many of us, we have a lot of questions about what we read. Now note if you would, what is said in verse 31. The eunuch asked this question, how can I? In other words, how can I understand the reading from this text unless someone guides me? There's a lot to be said about the opportunity, the privilege of teaching another person about Jesus. It is, as I said a moment ago, a thrilling experience to be able to sit down with somebody and talk to them face-to-face, one-on-one, about the Son of God. Jesus, the Nazarene, the Son of God. And Philip is going to be that human instrument that will ultimately lead this man to Christ. Now notice, if you would, the focus of the prophet's message. Verse 32, Luke said, The place in the Scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. A couple of things here. Isaiah, in a very graphic way, not only in chapter 53, but in other passages as well, speaks of the advent of the Messiah. Back in chapter 7 at verse 14, Isaiah had said in the long ago, The Lord Himself shall give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. Now in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew tells us that the one of whom Isaiah wrote 
was none other than Jesus. You remember the angel of God had appeared to Joseph in a dream. He told him that that which had been conceived in Mary was of the Holy Spirit. And he said, She shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who shall save his people from their sins. Now he goes all the way back to Isaiah chapter 7. And he says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. The Lord himself shall give you a sign. He said, speaking of Mary, that she would conceive, that she would bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, which being translated, interpreted, is God with us. So, the words of Isaiah the prophet fulfilled in Jesus. And Matthew documents this fact. Over in chapter 9, verse 6, he identifies Jesus as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so, the advent of the Messiah. And then Isaiah also speaks of the atoning work of the Messiah. Again, we think about the sacrificial death of Jesus. The passage that is referred to by Luke, the inspired historian, again reads, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a, a lamb silent before its shear, he opened not his mouth. You remember Peter said, When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But he committed himself unto him who judges righteously who his own self bore our sins in his body on the cross. That was Jesus. Isaiah the prophet is talking about the sinless Son of God who would ultimately come to give himself as a ransom for sin. Isaiah would write in Isaiah chapter 53, speaking of Jesus, he shall bear the sins of the many. So, the advent, the atoning work of Jesus, and we talk about the focal point of the prophet's message. And that's important. But what about the focal point of the preacher's message? Listen, if you would, picking up in verse 34. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? And the Bible says, Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning at this scripture, that is in Isaiah chapter 53, beginning at this text, preached Jesus to him. I want you to think about something for a minute. Philip had the privilege of, as we would say, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. He had the opportunity to share the story of Jesus with this man. So he preached the man Jesus, didn't he? And all that that would encompass. Now, obviously, we can look back to his work in Samaria 
and gain insight into some of the things that he would no doubt have shared with Philip. In verse 12, the Bible says the people in Samaria believed things that Philip preached concerning the kingdom of God and the name of the Lord Jesus. Don't you think that he would have had the opportunity to say, Look, the one that you're reading about was born just as the prophet had foretold many, many years ago. He came into this world and lived a perfect life. He came to, as he said himself, to seek and to save the lost. He came to do the Father's will. As Paul would say, Him who knew no sin, He became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So he could have talked about Jesus, the fact that no one ever spoke like Him. No one ever had the opportunity to perform the miracles that He did. He was a great man, a good man, a just man. And he paid the price for the sins of the human family. Isaiah, in a very graphic way, foretold of his death. And Philip could say, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, has died, been resurrected from the grave, ascended to heaven, and he'll come again. And by the way, he has been vested with all authority because Jesus Himself said, All authority, all power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And not only does He have all authority, but He has bought or purchased a divine institution, a kingdom. That kingdom is now in existence and you can be a part of that kingdom. You can be a part of the church. Jesus had promised to build the church in Matthew chapter 16 when he had asked the disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, say that I am? They said, Some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But he wanted to know, Who do you think I am? And Peter said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say unto you that you're Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Philip could say to him, look, the church is here. And you have the opportunity to be a part of this glorious institution. Jesus had said in Mark chapter 9, verse 1, to some of those who were present on that occasion, there are some standing here that shall not see death till they see the kingdom of God come with power. Isaiah foretold of a kingdom, an institution, that would be exalted above the mountaintops in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And he said of this institution, all nations would flow into it. Both Jews and Gentiles, all would have the opportunity to be a part of this divine kingdom. So he preached Jesus to him. Have you ever had the opportunity to, as I said a moment ago, dot the I's, cross the T's for somebody? Somebody confused about the nature of Jesus, exactly who He is, what He is, what He's done. You ever had that opportunity? You ever had the opportunity to sit down with somebody whose life is upside down, they're drowning in a life of sin, they're lost, they're without hope, they're without God, and you could say to them, let me tell you what, there's forgiveness in Christ. You can be saved today. 
The Bible tells us not only did he preach the man Jesus, but he preached the man. Or rather, he preached the man Jesus and he preached the plan of Jesus. Well, how do I know that? Well, let's just see. How do I know Philip told the eunuch what to do to become a Christian? Let's just note the salvation of the eunuch. Philip, beginning at this scripture, preaches Jesus to him. And as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Let me just pause here for a minute. First, we want to talk about the redemption of the eunuch. The call. The cry. The eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now, according to Luke's account, the eunuch is reading Isaiah chapter 53 about the suffering servant. He inquires about the nature of the one of whom he is reading. Philip then, beginning at that same scripture, preaches Jesus to him. In order to preach the man Jesus, it's incumbent that we preach the plan of Jesus. There is not a word, there's not one syllable in this text mentioned about Philip preaching baptism to the eunuch, is there? Listen again. Philip opened his mouth, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. As they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? How in the world would he ever have known anything about being baptized had Philip not shared the plan to become a Christian? It is as simple as A, B, C. It's that easy. What good would it do to preach Jesus and talk about how great Jesus is and what Jesus can do for us if we never tell people what to do, what to, do to become a Christian. Well, what, what would Philip have preached in Samaria? Go back and look at verse 12 again, Acts chapter 8, and read it with me. When they believed Philip, and again, bear in mind, in verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Now look at verse 12. When they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. That means to preach Jesus necessitates preaching about the kingdom of God, the church of Christ, doesn't it? Why? Because the body of Christ is the institution into which people become a member when they're baptized into Christ. Well, why does somebody need to be a part of the body of Christ? Because Paul said, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23... Jesus is the Savior of the body. Well, how do you get into the body? Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, By one Spirit were you all baptized into one body. Somebody asked the question, what is the body? He put all things in subjection under His feet, made Him to be head over all things to the church. Listen to Him. Which is His body? Well, how many bodies are there? Ephesians 4, verse 4, There's one body and one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. 
One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. So when a person is baptized into Christ, they become a part of the body of Christ, the church of Christ, the kingdom of God. So preaching Jesus necessitates preaching about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Why would he preach about the authority of Jesus Christ? Well, because Jesus has all authority. And he is the one who has the right to dictate the terms of entrance into his divine kingdom, doesn't he? I don't have the right to tell people to be saved any other way other than what Jesus has instructed. Well, what did Jesus say? Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. So in order to become a child of God, what does the Bible say I have to do? Well, I've got to believe in Jesus. You see, preaching Jesus necessitates emphasizing His deity because Jesus said, except you believe that I am. In other words, unless you believe that I am the Son of God, He said, you'll die in your sins. So you've got to believe Jesus. You've got to believe in Him. And then repentance. Do you remember on Pentecost Day when the Apostle Peter and the other apostles preached to that multitude of people? The Bible says that when they cried out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent. That's what God said. In other words, change your ways. Now, look at verse 37. Philip said to the eunuch in response to his statement, Here is water, what hinders me from being baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In other words, he was convicted that the one of whom the prophet had foretold of, that he was the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies, that he was the divine Son of God, and he was willing and happy to confess that before others. He did it in the presence of Philip. Years ago, I had a friend of mine who said that he, said that he had the opportunity to hear a preacher by the name of W.A. Bradfield. Brother Bradfield, for many years, was associated with Freed Hardeman College. My buddy said that Brother Bradfield came to a little town in Arkansas called Mammoth Spring. And he said, Brother Bradfield preached, I don't know how many nights, in a gospel meeting. And he said, I'm telling you what, he made the floor so hot you wanted to raise your feet. He said, so one night after services, I got to thinking about it. And he said, I need to be baptized into Christ. So he called the local preacher, and the local preacher got Brother Bradfield. They got to the building. And my buddy said that when he was asked the question, do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? He said, it was important for me to say I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And he said, when I said that, Brother Bradfield said, now that's a confession. And then he was baptized into Christ. Why was he baptized into Christ? Why was the eunuch baptized into Christ? For salvation, Mark 16, 16. For the remission of the forgiveness of his sins, Acts 2, 38. For the washing away of his sins, Acts 22, 16 to enjoy all spiritual blessings in Christ, 
when we're baptized into Christ, number one, we contact the blood of Christ. And we can't be saved apart from the blood of Christ. In order to appropriate that blood, we have to go where it was shed. It was shed in His death. John 19, 34 and 35. So Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, Know ye not that all we who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death. So, when we're baptized into Christ, we contact the blood of Christ. And then secondly, we are added to the body of Christ. We don't join the church. We're not voted into the church. The Bible says God is the one who puts us in that divine body, Acts 2.47. Here, Paul, again, as he, said it, as he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, By one spirit were you all baptized into one body. Happens at the same time. That's why when Paul wrote to the saints in Colossae, he could say, giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light, who has translated us out of the power of darkness, delivered us out of the power of darkness, and translated us into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And he said, it's in that sphere that we enjoy redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. So, the eunuch, listen to what's said in verse 38. The eunuch commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Well, why was he baptized? So that his sins could be washed away, so that he could be cleansed from all sin. It's a beautiful thought, isn't it? So we have the redemption of the eunuch, and then the rejoicing of the eunuch. Look at verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Why? Because he had been redeemed, saved, cleansed, now a part of the body of Christ. Philip had the awesome privilege of leading this man to faith in Christ, to obedience of the gospel. There's no more thrilling thing in the world to have the opportunity to sit down and talk to somebody about Jesus and to see them respond, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6, to obey from the heart that form of doctrine delivered unto them. What form? Believing that Jesus is the Son of God, repenting of sins, confessing His name, and then being buried with Him in, in baptism, as Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. And when we do that, God cuts away, washes away all our sins. Let me tell you what, once you're a Christian, you are endowed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1.3. Let me tell you what, you have the hope of life eternal. How good is it? Christianity, the only way to live. It's not just the best way, it's the only way. So, as we conclude our thoughts this morning, it might be the case that you're here today and you've heard about Jesus, you've thought about Jesus, you've read about Him, but you've never been able to really dot the I's and cross the T's. And now you see that you need Christ in your life and you want to obey the gospel. Why won't you do what the eunuch did? Why not become a New Testament Christian? Obey the gospel 
be cleansed from sin, live a faithful life with the assurance that one day God will bestow on you the crown of life. Revelation 2, verse 10. If you're here today, maybe your life's not what it ought to be, could we pray with you and for you? Understanding that God will abundantly pardon, 1 John 1, 9, as we stand and sing.